You got juice back? There we go. All right. Third grade and under. Follow the adults out the door. The rest of you can take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> Man, I told Jason I love being in Wyoming. I'm not kidding. I've not always been known as the kinder, gentler kind of guys. But there's some guys around me that look pretty good. You're going to die. Man, I, love, I love that about Wyoming. Might as well spit it out, right? It's going to happen. And I'm going to outlive at least part of you. Uh, I'm with it. I'm with you, Aaron. At least part, you know. You never know, I guess. But anyway, uh, man, it's good just to be where we can share truth and where we can talk with one another and just have a great time. So man, that's what we want to do this morning. We've been talking about the church. And, you know, man, I've, I, honestly, I've kind of been surprised and encouraged just by the Word of God concerning the church, surprised because, man, we there's some discrepancies between the way many believers live today and by what God says about the church and how we should live in context with it. Surprised by the fact that, you know, not only are there discrepancies in, in the way we read the Scriptures and the way we live, but by the fact that, that honestly, we don't always want to know what the Word of God says, because, man, when we look at what His Word says, we have to compare that to our lives. And when we compare that to our lives, we can either adjust our lives to the Word and be obedient and worship God, or we can say, you know what, God, I hear what you're saying, but I don't want any part of that in my life. And it's shocking to me still, after 20 years plus of the ministry, how easy it is we kind of just disregard things. And when it comes to the church, man, we have disregarded quite a bit about the church. Today, most people say that the only thing that's important in our life is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all one way. And as long as we don't hurt anybody else, everything's good. But that's not what Scripture teaches. Matter of fact, as we look at this passage this morning, just kind of continue through the passage, man, it's pretty clear in the Word of God that First of all, your relationship with Jesus Christ can't be right unless you are working and serving in the church the way God created you to. And the church can't be right unless you as a believer are serving and working in the church the way God created you to. It's not possible. No matter what you want, no matter what you claim, no matter what you think, no matter what you hear from different people, it doesn't really matter. The Word of God's clear. And so as we talk about the church this morning... Man, I I want to challenge you again. You know, what's your view of the church? Is it just this convenient thing that you go to to pick and choose what you want from it? Is that the smorgasbord, if you will, of of some kind of spiritual encouragement that you can take and leave? And once you leave this door, you forget all about the rest of the believers that make up the body of Christ? Or is it this body that you've been placed in for God's glory? Because if it's what the Bible says... And it's the body of Christ that He puts you in for His glory. The man, you don't get to pick and choose what you want from this place. And you don't get to forget about the body of Christ for the rest of the week. You don't get to live as if you are the only person that's important to God and that nobody else makes a difference in your life. You have to come to the place where you recognize that you need to be blessing others and others need to be blessing you And together, as we walk together, God uses us all for His glory. Now, if that's not surprising to you, it should be. Because I promise there's a whole bunch of you here 
that have never thought about that, not for very, very long anyway. So as we look at the church again this morning, man, open your heart to the Word of God and recognize all that God would have in store for you as we look. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as also you were called in the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also, he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you. I love your word, and I love the power of it. And I thank you, Lord, that as we come, we can be surprised sometimes still by your word. Matter of fact, Father, I thank you that we can be surprised every day by the grace and the peace and the life that your word gives to us. Father, as we talk about your church today and growing into Christ, the head of the church, Father, would you speak to us? Would you call us back to yourself? Would you show us the possibilities of what can happen as we walk with you and walk together? And Father, as we respond to you this morning, may you be blessed. And I do also ask, Lord, for those that are here that don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've looked at some pretty powerful stuff so far. Uh, The first week we started this little sermon series, we talked about the fact that, that we are the body of Christ, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And we just talked about this incredible reality that says our Savior, Jesus Christ, man, he, was, he, he reigns over all power and dominion and authority in every name. And He was given as head of the church, the body. And we are His body and we are His fullness as He fills all in all, as He accomplishes His work. And the reality is, is that the fullness of Christ, His body, is what He uses to touch and to change and to impact His world. Now, I love that thought because that tells us again just how important the body, the church, is to Jesus Christ. I mean, he's told us that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. In other words, he's told us that it was going to be the powerful force on earth that nothing could stand against. Pretty impressive, the church, right? And then we talked about walking in a manner worthy of our calling. 
which simply means to recognize the depth of the call that God has brought into our lives, which is our call to salvation and relationship with Him, and realize that to walk worthy of that manner means to live your life with such weight that you would balance out, that you would understand the importance of your call and even out that understanding in your life. In other words, your walk with God ought to be deep, and it ought to be powerful, and it ought to be personal, and it ought to be faithful and obedient. It ought not be, you know, hit or miss. And, he, and, he, and then he describes what that walk ought to be, and it doesn't have anything to do with just you as an individual. It has to do with his body. He tells us in verse 1, or verse 2, to walk with humility and gentleness, with patience and showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we've learned already that the church is the fullness of Christ and that those of us that have been called, that we need to live our lives in a manner worthy of the depth of His call to Christ. And the way we do that is by the way we relate to one another as His church. Not just as to you and your relationship with Jesus, but as His church. Being diligent through that patience and through that tolerance and through that encouragement to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And we answered why the next week. Why would we be so diligent to preserve the, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace? It's very simple because it tells us we have one body, not many, one Spirit, one hope of the calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all and through all and in all, right? Now, we're not separate people. We weren't saved to be separate. We were added to the body when we were saved. God has a purpose in us. And we can't get away from one another even if we want to. And by the way, why would we want to? You walk alone in the world and the world will devour you. Because they don't want you. They don't like you. And they don't love you. I know we don't want to say that out loud. I, I love it when I tell a believer that and they say, oh, you don't know the guys I work with. They really like me. They're pagans, but they really like me. I want you to know that's not true at a, at least a spiritual level. They might be nice to you, and that's great. I hope you get along with your coworkers. I really do. But man, they hate everything you stand for spiritually because just by your testimony of who you are in Jesus Christ, you're looking at them and saying to them, you're lost and dying and you need a Savior, and the world hates that message. They hated the message so much that they crucified Jesus Christ, the Savior, God in the flesh. Don't believe for a minute that you're safer in the world than you are in the church. And by the way, if you are safer in the world than you are in a church, then Lord, please forgive us. Man, the place that ought to be the safest place on earth for a believer is within the body of Christ. And and I understand sometimes that doesn't happen the way we want it to be. I understand that. But that's what we ought to be about. That's what this church ought to be about. That's what God created us for, right? Oneness. And then he goes on to say, not only is oneness powerful in the body, but it's created by each one of us receiving a gift from Jesus Christ and then using that gift the way he's called us to. He says he's given some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. That's some pretty good stuff, isn't it? 
In other words, he's given some to equip others so that others can serve and build up the church. In other words, we're all called by God to build up the body of Christ. Did you know that, believer? Did you know that? Did you ever consider that? Did anybody ever say to you that once you were saved and placed in the body of Christ that you are called to build up the body? You're not called to just get everything you can from the body. You're called to build up the body until we all grow to a mature man as individuals and as the body to the full measure of the stature of Christ who is the picture of spiritual maturity and goodness. In other words, all the way down through verse 13, so far we have learned that God's desire for His church is for us to work together, encourage one another, use the gifts that God has given us so that the world would see a picture of Christ in us together. That's not casual. Because, man, this world needs to see Jesus Christ as we walk together and serve together. He needs to see us. Does the city of Casper need to see College Heights Baptist Church walking together to accomplish the will of God? You talk about a powerful testimony. He wants to see us walking together, not individually and not against one another. Does Wyoming need that? Does the U.S. need that? Does the world need the church? Well, you better believe it. And there is nothing more powerful. And then we come down to verse 14, and it's crazy how he kind of ends this section he says in verse 14, as a result, we, no longer, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Man, I, I love this understanding because it's not what you expect. I mean, oftentimes when we talk about building up the body, we, th- we have all kinds of pictures in our mind. For some of us, building up the body is a very physical thing. You know, my part of building up the body for some people is to go take care of plumbing. Or it's to go trim trees or paint buildings or whatever. And and honestly, that's a part of what we do. But that's not what this passage is talking about when it talks about you using your gifts for God's glory. Matter of fact, if you want to know what is passage is about verse 14 tells us what it's not about god gives us gifts so that we will grow spiritually not so that we will remain children spiritually see there's a big difference as a result as a result of what god has done as a result of what he's called us to as a result of the gifts that he has given us so that we can build up the body so that we can become mature as a result of all those things that he has done he says that we are no longer to remain as children. And the, the, the image is easy to understand, right? Children are precious, but children are easily influenced. Children are gullible. Children will believe most anything they're told. Children will follow most anywhere they are led. Children are just young and needy, and they need to grow And if they don't, man, they're vulnerable, right? We are to no longer remain as spiritual children and vulnerable, tossed here and there 
like the waves or carried away by every wind of doctrine or deceitfulness of men or trickery, we are not to be spiritual children. Now, again, that ought to be surprising to a whole bunch of us. Truly surprising. Because honestly, even though there's plenty of people who tell you they're spiritually mature because they've been in church for maybe 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, the truth is, is that they don't know what the Word of God says, and they don't know what it stands for, and they'll believe anything they hear. Especially if it's supposedly in the name of the Lord, right? Is that true? I don't hear many amens out there. Man, we live in a crazy day. We live in a day where you can turn on the TV and hear the most ridiculous things being spewed forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live in a day where you can turn on the computer and be streaming sermons from any old buddy, and just because they're a preacher in a Baptist church, you're like, well, they must be right. Did you un- do you understand that just because they call themselves a Baptist preacher doesn't mean anything to you? It shouldn't mean a thing. Matter of fact, it shouldn't mean that much that I'm telling you I'm called by God. You want to know how you can check up on me? Open your Bible and find out if what I'm saying agrees with what the Word of God says. But that's not the way we do it anymore. It blows my mind sometimes to see how simple we can be. And the reason we're simple is honestly because we're still spiritual children and we don't know God's Word. I had someone get upset with me. It's been a while ago because I mentioned someone publicly from the pulpit that I said was a heretic. They were all offended that I called them a heretic. And they were gracious about it. They came in to see me, very calm about it. And I said, well, I believe they're a heretic. Standing by it. And they said, well, I don't think so. I said, why don't you think so? Well, because I used to listen to his father, and I listened to him, and he's so nice, and he's encouraging. He's really, you know. I went, okay. If that's why you think he's not a heretic, let me tell you why I think he is. Because I said, do you know what he believes? Now I want you to hear me. Do you know what the false teachers believe? Because it doesn't matter how silver-tongued they are. doesn't matter how handsome they are. doesn't matter how charismatic they are. doesn't matter how big their church is or whatever they claim. That doesn't matter. What matters is what they believe. And this person said, well... Doesn't he believe in Jesus? And I said, no. And they said, well, how do you know? I said, because he went on national TV and when asked if Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life, he said, I can't say whether he is or whether he isn't. That's a heretic. I'm telling you, heretic. No other name for it. No other way to say it. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. One way. And this person said, well, I don't don't agree with you. I said, that's fine. It is fine. But you know what? That is a spiritually immature person, and they are being carried away. Carried away. You see, if, if you're a parent, you get the picture here with me, right? When my babies were little, and you know, little two years old and they got their wheels really where they could disappear quickly and would 
Some of you know, right? Man, when you're in a big crowd, do you keep them close to you? Yeah. Why? Because if they got too far away, there would be nothing stopping some stranger from coming in and picking them up and taking them out the door and maybe you never see them again. Well, that's exactly what the Scriptures is telling us here. If you are spiritually immature and have no idea what the Word of God says, you don't know what the truth of the Word of God is, you can get carried away by every wind of doctrine that comes your way. And folks, i got to tell you, that's, that should be shocking too. Because the majority of believers, they don't spend a lot of time really trying to know what God's Word says. It's shocking to me how many people don't spend any time in the Word of God whatsoever. And their best excuse, the top-notch excuse they come up with for not spending time with God's Word is they're too busy. I want you to know that that's not a very good excuse. I've said it many times. I'll say it many more. We have time to do what we want to do. Don't we? We do what we want to do don't give that excuse. Truth is, is that we've just missed it. We've missed the fact that God wants us to be spiritually mature. Even if it takes some work, even if it takes some trials, even if it takes some time, God wants us to grow so that we won't be led astray. Man, if we are going to have a church that really impacts the world, we better know some basic truths, some doctrines, Did you know, by the way, that I preach doctrine? I used to have people tell me, don't preach doctrine, it's too boring. (laughs) I got to tell you, there's nothing boring about the foundational truths of God's Word, right? And if you don't have them, you have nothing. So now, let me ask you again, as we look at this passage, let me read it to you again, because it says, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Let me ask you, are you working hard at knowing God's truth so that when you hear the lie, you'll recognize it? I, uh, I shared this morning, I'll share again. I was, it's probably been a year or so, but I, I was home after church, and I got a knock on the door, and I answered the door, and it's a guy from Jehovah's Witness, and, and uh, he's talking to me about whatever propaganda he wants to spread. And uh, he finally comes to the question I'm always waiting for, when he says, well, what do you do for a living? Well, thanks for asking. I really like it. I'm not kidding. I won't tell him until they ask. I'm like, well, thanks for asking. I'm the pastor at College Heights Baptist Church. Oh, he says, and it was a response that I didn't expect. He goes, well, you and I are doing the same thing. I'm serving God my way, and you're serving God your way. And I went, no. I said, no, you're not serving God at all. Because the Bible says that every disciple you make, you make them twice the sons of hell that they were before. That's what the Bible says about what you're doing. What I'm doing is sharing the message of life for those who would believe. Well, he didn't like that. But guess what? It is the Word of God. Now, I know some of you are going, well, Pastor, that wasn't very nice. You don't know me that well, I guess. (laughs) I wasn't trying to be mean, and I wasn't yelling at this guy, and I wasn't running off my porch. 
But if you think for a minute I was going to let him think that he and I do the same thing, you're crazy. Because doctrine says that guy's deceiving people and they are dying because of what he's teaching them and he needs to know that's not true. Listen, don't think you don't need to know the Word of God. You cannot be what God wants you to be if you don't know the Word. And here's another deal. You can't encourage one another until you know the Word of God. You can't stay as children and not hurt somebody else within the body of Christ. You've got to grow because we need you. I need you and you need me. We need each other. Man, at the end of the first sermon this morning, Susan came up and said, you know, I'm going into Roosevelt School tomorrow for the first time. Roosevelt School is a place that needs Jesus Christ. It is a difficult spiritual place. We met out there last year for about six weeks hoping to start a Bible study, and none of the kids came, which is fine. But we sat there and prayed for as long as we could, and I'm telling you, it's a deep, difficult spiritual place. And Susan came up at the end of the sermon and said, I hope you don't mind me saying this. It was kind of public, so I thought it was all right. Um, she says, I want my church family to pray for me as I go into Roosevelt because I need them. Listen, that's right. She needs us and we need her. But we don't need each other to be children. We don't need each other to be clueless. We don't need each other to be empty. We don't need each other to be lost. Man, when the Mormons come by and somebody says to me, man, the Mormons came by, but I didn't know what to say to them. I want to say to you, why not? Why don't you know what to say to them? You should know what to say to them. You should know. How can you not know? Listen, the Bible is available here in this country more than anywhere else in the world. You should know. And if you don't know, you're a child, according to Scripture. And the Bible says that kind of spiritual person can be easily led astray. First time I ever went deep with somebody in Jehovah's Witnesses, two women came the first week, and I was like, man, I, I, I did great with those ladies. They didn't have a clue. Well, then two, next week, a woman and a man came. The guy was a little smarter at that time. The women were the same level. The guy was smarter. And I was like, whoo, rocked at that time, Lord. I mean, I was, I was, I was nervous. And that was many years ago, 20-some years ago probably. But, you know, I knew the word. Third time, it was the guy that came the second week and a different guy. This guy had been a deacon in the Baptist church. And now he was Jehovah's Witness. And he knew a little more than the rest of them did. But he still didn't know the Word. And I'll never forget when he said I was a deacon in the Baptist church. And I thought to myself, how does that happen? That you would end up now this leader in the Jehovah's Witness church. And that's how it happens. You're a child in what you know about the Word of God. And when the liars come and steal you away, you don't even recognize it. Listen, guys. God wants us to grow spiritually. and He wants us to grow deep. Then it goes on in verse 15. It says, But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Man, speaking the truth in love, this is where it comes together for all of us. Right? We're not to be children. We're not to be carried away by any cold, old deceitful doctrine that's, that's thrown out there. We are to speak the truth in love. And to grow up into Him in all aspects, into Christ. Literally what that means is that together, 
We are to speak the truth to one another so that together we will grow up as individuals and as a church into Christ who is the picture of perfection. He's our goal. He's our standard. We're to look more like Him day in and day out as we speak to one another the truth in love. Does that mean we're going to have to rebuke somebody sometime? Yes. If there's somebody in the church and they have a misunderstanding about the Word of God, we need to try to correct them. Should we do it harshly? No. No, just correct them because you love them. Man, if there's somebody that's struggling in what it means to walk with Jesus, man, walk with them and speak the truth to them so that they can grow up with you. Man, we are so scared to get involved. Anybody scared to get involved? Yeah, I know, don't raise your hand. We're scared. Because you hear it all the time. It's not my business. It's not my business to get involved with them if they're struggling. That's not Bible, by the way. That's not Scripture. And those of us who are mature, are strong in the faith, are to help those who have fallen and to pick them up and to walk with them. It tells us in Scripture that we're to carry one another's burdens. It tells us in Scripture that, listen, we're one body. And when one suffers, we all suffer. And when one is blessed, we're all blessed. You don't get to disconnect from what's going on in the life of all the other believers in Jesus, in Jesus Christ right here in this church. You don't get to. And I don't care what you think. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't care what you think. I don't care what you want. I don't care what you prefer. I don't care what you think you've been taught. You do not have the freedom to disconnect from one another. We're to speak the truth to one another so that we'll all grow together into the image of Jesus Christ until we love like Christ and we serve like Christ and we suffer like Christ and we sacrifice like Christ. We're to grow together in love. And then it says in verse 16, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Man, Christ, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted together and held together by every joint, by what every joint supplies, I mean, here it is, we see it now clearly, by Christ putting the body together with every joint supplying what it's supposed to supply. And every, and it says, according to the proper working of each individual part, as each individual believer within the church does what God's called them to do, then Christ causes, listen, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Now the picture gets even more clear about the church. God's called us to not be children, to know His Word and grow spiritually deep in His Word so we're strong. He's called us to grow up into Christ, who is the head of the body, in His image, for His glory. And then He says, in this Christ, who has fit the body together, so that each joint, as He's placed in the body, and as each individual part accomplishes its purpose in the body, that in them, as He works through them, He causes the body to grow. But here's the 
other side of that truth is that if you're supposed to be a part of the body and he's put you in the body as a joint to accomplish its purpose, as an integral part to accomplish its purpose, and you have said no to him, then you have literally limited what God wants to do in his church. I know some of you, you get mad at me for saying that. God can do whatever he wants to. Absolutely, he can work despite us. But that's not the way he's chosen to work in his church. He's chosen to work through his children in his church. And honestly, if you rebel against him, he has a couple of choices. First, he can discipline you, and he will, which is pretty painful. Because when he disciplines you, I get disciplined too. Right? If one suffers, we all suffer. Or maybe he can choose to leave you behind. Don't think that he won't make examples of rebellious children. He did of Ananias and Sapphira. They rebelled against the Holy Spirit, lied to the Holy Spirit, and he took their lives. He can certainly do that. Or here's the easier way. He can bring conviction to your heart that you are rebelling against Him, that you are ignoring His body and others in His body, and He can humble you and bring you to repentance. That's the better one. Isn't it? That's the better one. Where God finally says to His church, man, don't think that you can live apart from Me and be in fellowship with me. Don't think you can live apart from working with everybody else in the body and be in fellowship with me. The only way for that to happen is for you to repent and become an integral part of this body like I created you to be and serve using the spiritual gifts that I've given you to serve with and let me build the body through you. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's not a shocking or surprising message to you, but it is to me. Because for the most part, we have just said, it doesn't really matter how you live. And it doesn't really matter if you serve. And it doesn't really matter if you give. It doesn't really matter if you sacrifice. Just just come when you can. It'll be okay. We love you rebelliously. Haven't we? Because we're supposed to live in a tolerant nation, right? I don't know about our nation, but I do know about our God. And he's not going to let us get away with it any longer. So how about it, believer? Have you even thought about the fact that God has called you to work integrally with one another as Christ moves in our church? And if you haven't thought about it, how about thinking about it now? Have you ever thought about the fact that God does not want you to be shallow in your understanding of the Scriptures? And that he wants you to be spiritually mature whether you're painting a building or trimming trees or fixing the plumbing or teaching a Sunday school class or preaching the gospel. He wants you to be deep so that you'll know the truth so you can speak in love to one another and so He can build up His body through you. Do you understand that? Do you understand that God wants more from you? And the more you give to Him, the more blessed you are. The more blessed you are. And honestly, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you cannot be a part of His church 
You could get your name on a roll if you want to. You can get baptized and sloshed around in some water if you want to. But until you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven and you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. John chapter 3. You must be born again. You must turn from your sins and trust Jesus Christ alone and be born again. And then you become a part of His body. And as God speaks to you, respond to Him. Follow Him as He speaks. Let's pray. Father, I love You. Thank You for Your Word. And I ask that You would accomplish Your will and Your Word today. May it be for Your glory, Lord. And may You receive the worship that's due to You alone. I love You. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. Our projector went out, so we're going to sing hymn number 550 in the hymnals in front of you. Hymn number 550, I'd rather have Jesus. Jesus.